Uh, hopefully everybody's uh, uh, refreshed um, and we'll get into this into this second half. Um, yeah, so, Richard, your question, um, you know, what age, if at any age, should we pigeonhole uh, a player into a particular uh, position? F few answers there, but let's... Um, uh, let, let's get some people on. Let's get let's get William on. William, can you hear us? Hi, Ryan. Hi, Hi William. Are you all right? Uh, hi, Spencer. Hi, Richard. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Excellent. You just want to sort of share the answer that you you put in the chat. Yeah. So, so basically, in a nutshell, John Barnes was the example he used. Um, later on in his career, in his career he, he'd gone from an electrifying winger, one of the best in the world. And it pains me to say that because I'm an Evertonian <laughs> to a, a central midfielder. So I don't think there's any age really to pigeonhole a player. As long as that player wants to learn and, and continue his development or her development. Yeah. No specific age. Interesting. Let's put that to Richard. I mean, there's a few examples, Richard, isn't there? I think Ashley Cole was a striker converted to, uh, to left back. His third camp was a centre back, wasn't he, or something like that? And obviously, so Walker was a striker to full back. You know, lots of examples. Absolutely. So, so you know, I mean, what's your thought in reaction to what uh, to what William had to say there? Yeah, I read Will's answer before he uh, he came on that line. Actually, um, I agree with William. Um, and the examples you've given, I think Rio Ferdinand played central midfield for a long time, and even yeah. up at the FAU Cup final, I think he's a central midfielder, ends up being at centre half. And there are so many cases like that. And I think someone just mentioned Carl Walker. Um, Carl Walker now, we, we say he's a fullback. He's not playing fullback. He's playing central midfield three quarters of the game. Um, it's, you know, I think personally, I, I don't like to pigeonhole anyone at any point. Um, and I, you know, there'll be people that disagree with that and criticise or question that. I, I just agree, William. I don't think there is an age if people are capable and if you've given them the right skill set now to work with someone for elongated periods of time is difficult in, in any you know, part of the football industry because players move clubs, you know, you move clubs. Um, but I, I think we've got a responsibility, certainly younger ages, if there are coaches on here that work in the foundation phase of the, of the YDP, I think we've got a responsibility to teach the kids the whole game because they are unlikely, uh, one, for their enjoyment, as the first and foremost, the more they understand, the more they're capable of, they're probably going to have a better time. It's like any of us in any field. You know, if I'm capable of doing something quite well, I'm probably going to enjoy, you know, going and doing that again. That's the, the fundamental part, you know, because we're, you know, as much as we think we're trying to develop footballers, that's not our role. We're developing them, supporting them to be good people, um, and their the general development within society. If one or two go on to be footballers, that's great, that's a bonus. But the majority won't do that, so it's we've got a bigger responsibility. Um, and I think we have got a responsibility. You know, you don't send them to school and say, you know, don't don't worry about English. I don't need to know English or maths. It's, it's fine. We're just going to stick with this, this, and it. that's not reality. So I think we're responsible for teaching them the whole game. Um, and I think, you know, the way the game has changed in the last sort of generation or two, players are, you know, having to do probably a wider variety of jobs. Um, for the last 10 years, fullbacks have been expected to be the best crosser of the ball in the yeah. world. Uh, Gary Neville, for as an example, backed up David Beckham. You know, very, very rarely put the ball in the box. Now, if you can't cross it, and you, everything is about in possession. Centre backs have got to be able to step into midfield. People's first thought on a centre back is, can he step into midfield? Can he hit a big diag? You know, can he drift past the nine of these and can he, you know, set us off? No question of can he defend? Can he head it? Can he yeah. volley it? Thirty-five, four yards, high, wide, and handsome. There's none of that. That's all secondary. Yes, it, it, it comes up in the conversation, 
but very few people have that as their first line, which I can't believe. Um, you know, centre forwards that do they do this, this, and this, and you know, they're listing jobs that are nowhere near the penalty spot. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't care about well, that stuff. Can you put the ball in the goal? And you know, so <laughs> those, those things are. That's why I don't think you you pigeonhole anybody because of the way the game's gone. As much as if they're capable, they probably can do more than one job, which is quite a good asset for your team. Yeah. Well, well, did you want to come back on it? Any, anything that Richard said there, or no, no, completely agree with everything he said, like he did with me. Brilliant, excellent. Well, very, very friendly, very friendly <laughs> on this uh, on this on this webinar. Uh, not nice to nice to nice to speak to you. Uh, let's just get one other person's um, opinion on that. Um, I know Rick uh, put uh, an answer in there. Um, Rick, now I know you're. Um, I know you're based in the states. Um, so I mean, are things different there? And I know you mentioned in your answer there, the states. Is it more attribute driven? Do you think, or you know, it's it's all going to depend on on what level of that you're coaching at. I mean, if you're grassroots then it's all about having fun and not so much about, mm. you know, that, that they even think they're going to be in, a, in an academy. But yeah. then, you know, again, if you're in an academy, okay, now you got to start, you know, where's this guy going to go? Where's this girl going to go? Does she have a career? Does he have a career? And is that the right position? And then, of mm. course, as you move up, you know, to the 19s and the 23s, then, you know, again, depending on where they're going to go, I think that's going to dictate how important it is or, or how lenient you can be towards somebody wanting to play a different position or you need them at a different position. Mm. Yeah, you've just sparked me something there, Rick. So I want to come back to you there, Richard. You've obviously, you know, in the academy system, Richard, it, are, are we generalist enough in the coaching uh, to, to feed on what Rick said and what you've said there? Is it, do you feel like the academy system has got into a situation where we're trying to produce players for positions? Um. Yes, and yes, and I agree with some of what Rick says, although my point somewhat goes against that. We you know, offer a different opinion, which is great. Um, I feel, yes, the academy system, I don't think there's enough variety or rotation in, in my limited experience of it. Uh, players, we think, you know, some, some traits that are quite archaic. Oh, he's the biggest, he's the toughest. All right, let's put him at centre-back. Oh, he's the biggest, he's the quickest, he'll go centre-forward. And, you know, the smaller, quicker players end up on the periphery of the team, not in central midfield. You know, things like that are where I'm thinking when I'm saying there needs to be much more rotation. Utilize. We, I think a great example is to say, if we talk about traditional number nines, people probably go to the same place as me mentally without saying any more. It's going to be a big person who holds the ball up, physically can dominate or compete at least with a, a big centre-half um, and then, you know, bring the ball in and recycle it, whatever. Well, I, I feel that um, number nines, certainly in the male game, number nines that have got to that point have got to that point because of their education not being appropriate younger through the ages. So if we take a traditional eye, you can, that's, that's their main criteria, can't do much else, but they're very good at it. So there's a value and a place for them in the team and in, in you know, careers. Well, why should that person not have been taught how to drop off people and get front facing? Basically create doing the same roles and skill set as a number 10. Yeah. But you go, no, he's a traditional number nine. The minute you say that, you go physical elbows, you know, it's certainly the male game, not quite so much the female game. Because it's you know those physical differences don't present that so often. 
from my limited experience so far. But I believe that's laziness or a lack of foresight on the coaches or the goodwill parents that have worked with them prior. And they've been allowed to lean on their physical traits. So it's why we naturally get the bigger players are perceived to be a bit more static, not quite as technically tidy, can't move the ball as quick. Yeah. Whereas the smaller players, because it became popular under Guardiola at Barcelona you know, 10, 15 years ago, suddenly we went, you can play at any size, actually. We didn't realise. But what's happening is all those small players have developed the ability to look after the ball, not ever get caught in contact, offload it really quickly and get it back somewhere else. They've developed a different skill set. Well, if those smaller players had been made to play an age group a year younger, momentarily, or at the right time, or in the right volume, now they can also develop the skills to stay on the ball, to protect, to look after. And they're not being left out with part of the menu. They're getting the whole menu, which is where I think we've got a responsibility to teach the whole game. Um, and I believe that is coaches allowing, you know, whatever size they are, whatever size they are, they're allowing them to lean on those traits too consistently, as opposed to going, that's great. You're naturally going to develop that skill of being able to lean on someone because you're bigger or being a little dot and, and zipping around. But what we also need to give you, because at a later date, when we don't know how big you're going to be. You might need this skill and that's what's cost you. And, and if you haven't been given that skill set or haven't at least been sort of... Um, Exposed to it, yeah. Or, or introduced to it, we're doing the kids a disservice who are putting their trust in us to give them the full education. Their parents, we expect it, they're sending them in, expecting a full education, not a part education. And that's why my perception is that we should really never pigeonhole them. Um, but naturally, at, at a certain level, we might see, you know, you know, this person might have a career in the game. So are we doing the right thing by saying, listen, just build on those two or three strong assets you've got. People use the term super strength now, don't they? Just let's lean on those two or three and do our best to hide the rest or at least tidy the rest up. And, I, I, you know, I've worked in it long enough to know that there's a, there's a place for that. Um, I'm a bit of a purist and, you know, I'm working here with some top players that are, you know, over 25, nearly 30 years old. And we are working on, can we add can we add, can we add to your game? Not, can we just accentuate what you've done well for the last 10 or 12 years? Um, and I just think that's where we as coaches can add our value. Yeah, no, it's absolutely spot on. Rick, thanks for your contribution thanks, um, as, uh, as as well there. Brilliant. Um, Spencer, I think that I think that guides nicely on to, to your next question, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Richard, you speak about teaching the whole game and totally agree with that. And I've, you know, experienced that where the, the boys are physically at 13, 14, you know, they're using the brawn, if you like, you know, to score three, four goals a game and they get to 18, everyone's caught up. And then they don't have the other uh, skills that they need to really progress and get a pro deal or even a scholarship um, at that stage. And really in terms of teaching the whole game, so how important is a curriculum, do you feel, within an academy system? Um, I, I, th I do think it's important. Uh, I think it's important for different reasons. Um, primarily, I mean, if you're working, we've all, we, I have no doubt that everybody on the call have experienced like a, a writer's block, if you like. You've been working on a certain topic or, you know, you've, you've gone through what is your comfortable repertoire of practices or the things that you're most comfortable with. You've, played, you've coached to your bias, maybe, all the things you like coaching. And there'll come a point where you've got that writer's block and you know, I, I just don't know what to do next. Where do I go from here with a team? It might be the results are making you question what you're doing and, and you're not sure where to go direction-wise. If you've got a curriculum to back you up, and it, it does depend and it's, it differs for different environments. And obviously, because I've 
had some exposure at a range of different environments, my ultramarine doesn't sit right in all of them. Um, yeah. Do I need a curriculum here with Wales? No. I need to prepare for Slovenia no, Friday. And I need to prepare for Estonia on Tuesday. Well, there's my curriculum. It's just my, my curriculum has been presented to me by Slovenia and Estonia. So we know what we've got to work on, but it's shaped by the opponents. Is that same at Notts County? Not really. And when I go into when I think about now club first team, I would say naturally we've got to correct what we felt wasn't quite good enough from last weekend. Yeah. And we've got to prepare whilst delivering that. We've got to somehow in our week of three sessions, maybe four sessions, we've got to correct what we felt wasn't quite strong enough last week or improve it and prepare for what the opposition will present this weekend. And they might not marry up too well. So it's the skill of the coach to blend them together or hide them or, you know, just oh, this is for that and this is for that. And so, but although that's the case, you still want long-term evolution of your group and to be better, you know, yeah. you might, okay, we, we, so we go into Notts County, our job is to stay up with, you know, 91st in the football league. Stay up. Okay, fine. We, I don't know what you get to, let's say 15th, something like that. The next season, same group of players, we go to the playoffs. We want, but we want to get better. We, we got to the playoffs playing a certain way and we, you know, played some good stuff and some very talented players. But all of the time, myself and Kev, who was the manager, are talking about, okay, how do we evolve the group? How do we, you know, how do we embed? Now, for me, the key is variety if you want to be successful. So we go and play Slovenia Friday. If we've only got one choice, and they know what our choice is. We might have some problems. If we can bounce, if we're, you know, if we're strong at set pieces as well as scoring from open play, not something at one point we were 54% goals or 56% goals from open play, 44% from set pieces. Well, if you're the manager trying to prepare against that, it's a tough week because you know you're going to go, which one do we choose? Yeah. We're going to struggle to cover it all. And, you know, if you've got variety in your play, if you can play direct well, not just smash the ball up, if you can play direct well with quality, and you can build with quality, the opposition have got a major problem because they've got to find a way in their week of preparing for all of those eventualities. And the more variety you've got, the better you're going to be. Um, you know, I think it's a great example with Guardiola and Man City in his early years in this country. Adamant, I'm going to do what I want to do. Undoubtedly, that has changed, that mindset. Now, they play exceptional football and I, you know, it's a joy to watch, no, no question. But you sign Edison, who can absolutely put it on a six yep. over 70 yards. Well, you are definitely bending your philosophy slightly and use, utilizing a different skill that you hadn't necessarily been known for using before. Um, but by adding a variety, you cause the opposition a whole host more problems because they've got to go maximum dispersal with you. They've got to cover the whole pitch, which they can't necessarily do. You get an extra player with a goalkeeper. So now you can pick them off and you manufacture overloads where you want them. Um, so I think variety is the key. Uh, and that's you know but then I take it to the academy level um, and it's a curriculum is absolutely critical because one you know the industry has created thousands of jobs in a very very small window of time so as a byproduct with e triple p rulings and auditors that you know pjack that manage that situation everybody's got to fill these roles well we haven't necessarily got the, the labor in the country yet to fill those roles appropriately that's not to knock anyone that's working it. Everyone's there with a passion and a hunger to be good. They're not good immediately. And that's, that's something that can take time, take some experiences, take some failures. Um, but we've just gone, there's a lot of, there's 10,000 jobs, fill them up. 
without necessarily having the, 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 the staff in place or the labor force in place to fulfill those jobs at an elite level. So all academies would perceive themselves to be elite. Yes, they're different categories, but we'll, you know, we'll think it's elite. But there's lots of coaches within those systems that haven't had that exposure yet. Now, where do they get it? Should it be grassroots? Should it be in primary schools? Should it be in a whole host of in industries and environments? Or should it just be at the elite end of the game? That's a, a debate in itself. But for those staff coming in, it's critical, I think, that they've got a curriculum of sorts, some structure, which is which might be their first exposure to having a structure to work to, having a curriculum to work to. And I think it helps when, you know, it, as users of Watford is the example, where you've got, let's say, 30 staff, 30 coaches with the part-timers, um, everyone that's involved, the full-timers, are a whole plethora of age groups, obviously. How's one head of coaching? You know, the, the amount of time they've got to spend trying to upskill the staff, that's yep. very, very difficult. You know, that, yep. that ratio just immediately doesn't work. And we've noticed now in the market, lots of clubs having age-specific heads of coaching. You know, there's a foundation phase head of coaching, yep. there's a YDP. Well, that, that, that for me is elite. That's proper investment in what your, your product You've got three heads of coaching for each of the phases. Um, now, that, that head of coaching has only got to work with 10, maybe six to 10 coaches. Now, suddenly, the ratio of work to rest in terms of when they're getting exposure to the head of coaching, really getting you know brought up to speed on what they could be doing, that their improvement changes dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an interesting conversation, this. And Watford is such a great example. Um, because obviously the manager turnover has been so frequent, you know, and you've got a curriculum there that perhaps, you know, you're working towards X and then all of a sudden X turns in, in, into Y. Um, but don't answer that question because we've had a really good question um, from Darren on this topic and I want him to ask that first. So, Darren, um, if you could just unmute yourself. Hi, Darren. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, good, Darren. thanks. Good, good, good. Uh, Really good question. If you want to ask it to Richard. Yeah. So if if you haven't achieved an original outcome in youth football, do you still think you should move on to the next one if the coaching program says that? So let's let's just say the original outcome was or the, the outcome for next week was exploiting overloads. But your players can't create the overload in the first place. And let's just say in a few weeks' time, their build-up isn't very good, but the curriculum says you've got to go into disturbing build-up. Do you still think you should progress, literally? Or should you take the team as what it is and work in a logical sequence based off what they can do? Darren, thanks. That's a great question. Um, personally, I believe that is the skill of the coach to scaffold the learning. Uh, so we don't just go from A to B and forget what happened at A and that, that, we park that now and we move on. And this is where I talk about, you know, the labour force in the industry having the skill set to be able to continuously touch upon whatever it was we've just left behind, migrate sensibly into the next. It's not a, a you know, last Sunday we finish, Monday we start. You've got to migrate through these transitions. But in theory, for me, your curriculum should go around and repeat itself numerous times because there's only so many things to teach right it's not like the game is infinite outcomes it's like any sport it's like any invasion game we need to get beyond the opponent so we've got to find there's certain ways you can do that you know um, I'm, I'm sure everyone on the call is, a, is aware of those things 
So we've only got X number of topics. Do they need to get it right now or no? Because naturally they would be playing in the Premier League if they got it right now. So I, I wouldn't ever expect them to just get it and we can box that off, we can move on. Um, and obviously in the, in the academy system, we have that luxury of not necessarily needing to win games. You know, if, if the 10s get beat for the next 10 weeks, obviously it's not ideal because there's a social and psych element to that that we have to concern ourselves with. Well, that's not about the results. It's about the kids enjoying it. They're going to, you know, naturally enjoy more, listen to more, take more on if it's a positive environment. And that might occasionally suggest it's not. So you've got to do lots of work around, you know, their mental attitude towards that. But we're not under any, you know, you know this is grassroots club, for example. You might have a line of parents, much like academies going, well, why have they lost 10 in a row? And, you know, what, what's going on? This is no fun. I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. Um, I think the attitude has become more widespread within the academy industry. That's not result driven. It is about outcomes. Um, but I do believe that is the skill of the coach to migrate from one to the other and then scaffold on the learning and bring that with you. So if they haven't got it boxed off because they won't, they're 10, 12, 14, you know, 20. Um, I don't think he just, because otherwise the answer is how long do we spend on it? You know, the, the alternative is we're just going to stay on this for three years. You'll have no players left. No, no one's staying. Like they're going, really? We, we're just going to try and build the center. You're not going to create any center forwards. Another, another, another question mark I have with the industry, everyone has become obsessed with the goalkeeper playing to the center halves, building through midfield, going up, you know, playing to the top players. Yeah. In, in, in a generation's time, we can have no centre forwards in this country. Well, that's the risk we run because we're going to have goalkeepers that can play out for fun. We're going to have centre halves that are beautiful on the ball. They don't have to defend, but they can all play out, step into midfield. <laughs> but because for the first eight years of their development, they never actually managed to get it to the centre forward, we are going to have no centre forwards in a generation or two's time, unless that is picked up upon and addressed. That's yeah. a bit of an extreme statement. I don't completely believe that, but that's what we're potentially dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Defenders as well, uh, Brian. We were speaking about that a bit earlier, weren't we? We did a practice today, Richard, defending wide areas, you know, being goal side, ball side and having contact. And it's very rare that when I was in the academy system for four years, that there was much emphasis on the defending of it. Uh, and, you know, for me, a defender, you know, can they clear the lines? You know, can they put blocks in? You know, the basics that you expect from your defenders doesn't seem to be part of, you know, a curriculum now moving forward, mm -hmm. uh, which is a concern. Absolutely. Absolutely. Darren, did you want to come back? Yeah. Um, do you think coaching programs should be for the team specifically so? Or would you say it's fair for them to be like that for the phase or the whole academy? Know. Yeah, I don't know if that... Um, it might appear like I'm sort of being a bit of a politician. <laughs> but I genuinely believe that's the skill of the coach. You know, I think top-class coaches are developing individuals within the team framework, but also getting a collective understanding for the team to have an element of success. Because I am absolutely not one who's, we must win every week. You know, I don't think it should be a taboo subject. Similarly, you know, we've got, we've got to, winning is fun. The point of the sport, any sport, is to beat your opponent. So it should never be a taboo subject. You don't turn up for a game of tennis to put the ball in the net. You turn up to put it over the net once more than your opponent. There should, but in football, we, oh no, we mustn't talk about winning. It shouldn't be a taboo subject. What we should educate is the is the mentality towards winning and losing. It shouldn't be because and it shouldn't be you know low as you like and really disappointing. You know all these things because we got beat. It's just a measured attitude towards. Listen, they were better today, or you know they got this opportunity today. We were better today. If we can develop that 
you know, uh, level-headed attitude towards winning and losing, I think there are more long-term benefits of that. But back to your question, Dan, sorry. I think that the you know, top-class coaching is developing individuals within that team framework whilst giving that team some structure, which allows them to compete. I don't know what I'm not, it's not they've got to be playing free-flowing football at 12, but you need to have an element of a block in the way when the ball is turned over and an, a basic understanding of that. And suddenly you've got a competition. You know, what we see is maximum width or maximum dispersal. Keeper gets it, two centre-halves in small-sided football go touchline wide. The ball gets played somewhere and neither of them move. Receives it, the other one stays touchline wide. Doesn't move in relation to the ball. And I, you know, the, I think these are really simple things to educate. You know, I'm, I was fortunate in the academy system. I was able to say to the groundsman, I would like these this pitch geography created. And we had five channels put on the pitch or four four lanes. And just little dashes to, to create something of a visual. And you can you can replicate this with, you know, the flat dots that we get to use nowadays, or I think they're the best invention ever because we can start to put some stuff on the pitch that really cements learning. But if we create four or five channels on the pitch and just say, if he plays that side, you need to come in and be in connected channels. Or certainly when it's a turnover, just defend connected channels. I could say that to eight-year-olds this week and it'd take three weeks maximum. It could take three minutes. Defend connected channels when the other team get the ball. So if you look around and you're not in the channel next door, there's a problem. That won't take five minutes. Kids are unbelievably capable mm. if we expose them things that we perceive are out of their reach. We will show them and find out if it's out of their reach. And if it is, so be it. Uh, but that's another thing that, you know, Darren's got me going now, but that's another thing where we don't necessarily expose them to things that we perceive to be beyond They're not beyond them. That yeah. Some will get it. Yes, some will get it sooner than others. But why should we hold these ones back? Because this age group, you know, oh, this age group can't. This age group, they're, they're not capable yet. Well, one, two or three may well be. So let them fly it. And let's find out what they've got. Because whost they're delivering that on a game day, a game by game basis, they make some watching learning going, I could do the, what she's doing. Oh, I could do what he's doing. And they'll start to pick up on that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's not necessarily to disagree, Darren. It's just to say my thoughts are top level coaching is developing individuals within a, a structure and a, and a framework and it's for us to scaffold on never leave behind or just forget what we did and certainly not wait until we're all there because if you're going to wait for all 10 of them <laughs> 12 of them 15 of them you, you might be waiting for her yeah brilliant Thank, thanks darren really appreciate your thanks, contribution darren. um uh, darren, uh, if i if i may Ryan, what i'd like to do just skip a little bit to uh, coach development uh so a, a word that you use quite a lot tonight richard is reflection uh, do you want to give some insight into how you reflect uh, and how much time you spend on that? Yeah, I think that's probably a strength and a weakness of mine in equal measure. Um, partly because of my upbringing, my dad's methodology, having no education in the field as my football coach, was to focus purely on the things that didn't go well. Um, and now, you know, years later, he's aware and probably wouldn't work the same way again. Um, for, uh, and it shapes my coaching to be all about positive reinforcement uh, and so where for me personally I still have traits of I'm my worst critic I don't need anybody to tell me same when I was playing on league because of that upbringing forever it was look and study what didn't go well honestly I could I would never ever knew the score in the game I'll, but I could tell you immediately how many times I've given the ball away so as a result, I became quite tidy at retaining possession. It wasn't necessarily forwards or particularly you know, <laughs> aggressive. Counts. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't turn it over very often. Yeah. Um, because he had planted that seed in my head and then it, it grown to 
don't give the ball away. And yeah. this is what's important. Um, and it is important, absolutely. But naturally, we know from now better learning, greater understanding of child development, child psychology, all those things. Put the ball at risk, time's over. The feedback we're going to get from a mistake, that is so widespread now. It would be remiss of anyone to work in the coaching industry and not understand these things. Um, but because of that upbringing, my reflection is prior. I don't need anyone to say whether the session went well or not. I know that immediately from the players' feedback in terms of their manner, their enthusiasm, um, the noise they're making will tell me they are engaged. They're, you know, their answers, because I'm very much Q&A, very Q&A heavy, um, a lot of commentary coaching where, I, you know, it's not about stopping great big interventions to have half-hour chats. Um, but so I, for my reflection, like I said, it might be my best and my worst in, a, in equal measure. But like I said, I'll digest this chat and I'll think about the answers I gave four days. And I might be going, oh, I wish I could get older Darren because I've, I, I want to say something else to him that I really think is of value. Or I think he had a point. How do I get Rick's number? Because I need to speak about. Um, so that's how I work for days. And that's not great when I'm on a camp where I'm supposed to be concentrating. <laughs> it's just the way I am. But I think yeah. it's really important that people do do that. Uh, I think whether that's note making and at, at Knotts is a good example, which I appreciate not everybody can do or set up. But I was mic'd up every day and training video, which is normal now. But I still don't find too many environments where the coach is mic'd up. But I was, I, I, you know, I've got on a, on a hard drive every single day's training for wow. two years. And I'll go back and watch that occasionally, but it wasn't so much for now. It was for in the moment. I, we had a game plan based on what the opposition were, we expected them to present. And we mapped out this week, Tuesday's going to be in possession, Thursday's going to be out of possession. We're going to show two or three clips Tuesday morning and this is what training looks like and why because these do this this is how we're going to try and hurt we'll break them down and, and the opposite on the, the, the opposite day of the week but I needed to know that I had covered what I thought was necessary that week um, so me and Kev would then sit and watch training after training we sit and watch training but we could hear everything that was being said he was getting picked up on my mic so if he was chipping in we'd hear his contribution and then as a result we could establish I don't think we covered that in enough detail. I'm not sure that his body language and what he's showing us back on the video tells me he didn't quite get what I was asking for. My fault didn't convey it the right way, but I can correct that on Thursday or I can correct that 10 minutes before training. Come out, listen, we showed, so we, oh, you asked you for this, you did X, we're looking for Y. My fault, you, it, I didn't make it clear enough why you got it right the first time. That's correct. Um, so that was really important. So that meant I got to reflect every single session, every single day. But I'm just that way in nature that I will, you know, I've reflected on today. You know, what what he's done really well here. One of the something that Gemma has um, introduced me to is um, a rapid review of training. So it's ten minutes only, and we all sort of give it a score out of ten. Um, okay, why why do you think it was that score? What did you think that went well enough to give it that score? Or it's one or ten? What made it a one? What what did you do well that got one on the board at least? Well, this went well. And we, we always make sure we reflect on some stuff that's positive. Okay, yeah. what would be even better if simple stuff that's, you know, nationwide, in terms of worldwide in terms of corporate leadership and stuff. And then what are our actions? So what are we actually going to do walking away from this meeting? What are we changing for tomorrow? What am I making a note of in my, in my planner that next time we repeat this, this, um, this practice in particular, we must correct or must think about or must discuss. So... I think reflection is absolutely enormous. And if you're not doing that, then 
you're probably kidding yourself. You're just getting it right most of the time, and that, yeah. that won't be the case. You know, but with feedback as well, Richard. So you know, we mentioned the players. I could you know judge their body language. Are they really taking on the information? Have you at any stage you know throughout the different roles you've done, you know, got the players and said you know what is your feedback on the session? Is that something you've ever done as a coach? Yeah, all the time. All the time. So last just last uh, Wednesday, um, we went to this performance squad, and. I was looking at introducing what is potentially a new practice, which is a bit precarious in in the camps, depending on what state you're in. So in June, it was a, like a free hit. We only had one friendly, which meant additional training days, and it wasn't a competitive game. Now, it doesn't mean we want to go and give a bad account of ourselves, but we could afford to play around a bit and make sure we drop some stuff in. So you're not only planning for the camp, you're planning for a year's worth of activity, because if I want to drop a particular practice in because I think it suits a certain opponent next April, it, ideally, I've introduced that practice somewhere prior to the camp where I think we need it most. Because it's, you know, like we all know on the call that when you introduce a new practice, it takes time. The players have got to get the rules and you know, it makes much, that's a much shorter process here because every players that get the understanding immediately. Um, but it is still that element of walk through to get it right. Okay, and, and the second or third version of, now we're, now we're cooking. It's flowing and, and we're getting all the outcomes we're looking for. So, in terms of, you know, going through, you know, to last weekend, I went to work with a performance squad and at the end, I need your feedback. And now these are 17, so that's a 22-year-old girls that are looking at, it's the uh, national manager and it's the national assistant manager. Already they're going to be, well, some of them are going to be questioning, oh, I'm, I'm not speaking. You know, that's just, and in the group, we're naturally going to get one or two, oh, I've got all the answers, which is great. But the first three minutes, of the feedback, so, okay, that particular practice, that's the only one I need to discuss with you. Your input, your, your effort and application was first class, thanks very much. Now tell me what you did or didn't like about it and what we might change to improve it or to make it more realistic. You know, there's always a trade-off. If it's not 11 by 11 on full pitch, there's a trade-off from realism. Now we accept what's not real because we know the value is here in this bit that is real. Give me some feedback. Oh, I really enjoyed this. I like that. That was great. Da, 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 da. And it was all, but I said, listen, you're an unbelievably polite group. That's really nice. I appreciate that. But that's not going to help me as much as where you think it might get better. That's not going to help the, the senior squad, you know, improve. We get to get the practice right. So then you get one or two that come out of woodwork. But you have to, you have, like I say, I said at the start, you have to set the foundation that they, they believe because of your actions, your behaviours, the way you speak. They believe that they can speak up and be honest. And they're not going to get destroyed in front of their mates or it's not going to be a problem. And when you get to that position, you know, things become far easier. You get more realistic feedback very quickly. Um, but yeah, reflection is enormous. And you, you know, you do get the, the players will tell you indirectly or directly, the players will tell you. It'll either be verbalized quite quickly if they don't like something and their enthusiasm for it and their activity and participation levels and effort and application will also tell you they are completely engaged and you don't need to have much conversation around it, to be honest. Okay, excellent. I just want to pick up on a question somebody's asked. Unfortunately, I think Keith's um, come off the call. Um, slightly just spiralling back into the conversation about uh, curriculum. And, and, and Keith asked, you know, what would you do if the team are constantly uh, in heat? Um, you know, how, how, do you mit how do you mitigate that in terms of how you feed it into your, uh, uh, your your curriculum, what 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 you're trying to develop? Uh, is that if that's Keith Mayer? Yeah. He knows full well. I haven't had any teams like that, so I can't answer his question. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I mean that's 
that is an issue, obviously. And have I got all the answers to that? No, probably not. Um, if if that is the case, I would honestly feel that there's a good chance your group are competing at the wrong level because everyone finds their level. So you know, Leighton Orient Academy, Watford Academy, whichever academy you want to pick, yeah, they are going to have peaks and troughs, and in terms of performance, in terms of results, yeah. they're not just going to go and win every week. You know, Liverpool aren't just going to go and beat everybody all the time. Um, and I think, well, personally, if that was me inheriting a team in that situation, I would give some time to us without the ball. And that was where I would spend most of my time. I might be working along a curriculum, but if you know, and back to, I think it was Darren, I can't remember, but back to that curriculum point, should we move on? Yeah. The evening, you know, generally is a 90 minute to two hour session. Well, I'm not sure what you're working on that can't afford you to have a 15 minute window in there somewhere, a 20 minute window that is still touching upon whatever you perceive the weakness to be. So it's about making sure, and this comes from the head to coach and comes from the academy managers, having that, that wider knowledge of the whole environment, of the industry, of the game, but also the wider knowledge of your specific group, your needs, what your you know, pathway looks like in terms of the games you've got coming up, who you're, who you're going to be going up against, that I think you've got to get a block in place, which sounds really simple, but I believe that is really simple. Um, but because people don't focus on it, it yeah. causes a problem. So, you know, one of my biggest things in the foundation phase, which takes us up onto a whole nother seminar at some point, is goalkeepers in the foundation phase shouldn't play in goal for the whole game. I personally feel they should play one period out on pitch. Um, now, you need to get your numbers right in your squads. I think less is more. Uh, I think we do a disservice to, to the kids if we take huge volumes of, of players because they don't get the right amount of game time, which I don't think yep. is appropriate. Um, so I invariably will say I think we should sign one less player than we need to fulfill a fixture that gives us room to bring in guests it gives us room to bounce players between the age groups now, these are luxuries that we have at the academy level which I appreciate might not be there at grassroots uh, something else the way we could change the game in my opinion if we if we moved it from being a birthday date to being a window because now you get some crossover and that would alleviate a lot of the birthday bias issues that are within the game but that's mm. again another night mm. um, but I think that in your two-hour session or 90-minute session, you should be able to build in a, an area that says we are only going to work on us without the ball, that connectivity, a bit of a block of some sort, whether that's five-a-side, seven-a-side, nine-a-side, doesn't matter. I think you can focus on those things and you will change the outcomes for your team if you know what you're doing. Yeah, Spencer, I don't know what you think. I think this whole concept of curriculum is, and just touched on it there, perhaps we need to do something one evening. I mean, I, I remember I remember interviewing Trevor Brookin and the National Association had a, a curriculum, you know, of what, of what we wanted an England player uh, to, 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 to look like. And then that was fed down uh, the, the, the coaching path. It's so complicated, so many levels in, be, in between. And I think what we're just touching on as well, as well is there was generic responsibility that we've got as teachers of the game, the player, Anyway, but teach them, surely, if you're going to go and learn piano, you want the right hand and the left hand taught in. Absolutely. And I think, you know, something Rich has mentioned quite a bit, is the whole game is teaching players the whole game, but also that the curriculum is a tool. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be followed rigidly and it, it needs to be adapted. And I think that's really key uh, that we use it as a tool and we don't follow it. Monday's this, Tuesday's that, 
Thursdays now. We see that in our academy. We adapt and sometimes we'll repeat a week or we're looking at finish the attack, for example. And uh, as Ryan, you watched most of our games, we've created loads of opportunities but couldn't finish them. So we spent a bit more time <laughs> on that in training. That's just one example of it. I think as long as it's, it's a tool and it's a guide for coaches, I think that for me is important. Absolutely. Um, well, guys, it's um, it's it's nine o'clock. That second half has absolutely um, ran ran away from us. Um, and you know, a, a few points that I've just jotted down here that I think uh, were really sort of standout points for me. Um, I think the the thought around scaffolding learning. I think that's really um, uh, thought provoking. Um, Richard, I really enjoyed that line in the ball at risk. I, I absolutely chime. Totally chimed with me, and I think that the, the, the opposite of that is something that's crept into our game over a long period of um, time. Not just keeping the ball. Um, as a Wolves fan, people used to moan about Robbie King being caught off offside, and you're talking, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And I remember, no, no, playing on the edge, he's going getting all the goals. Yes, he's offside five times, but on the sixth time, it's a goal. I think a whole concept. Um, is is absolutely uh, uh, right. And again, on, on that, we had Carl Henry who kept the ball 99% of the time. There was no, never had a forward pass. Um, really, really thought-provoking for me. And the old, the old notion around curriculum is definitely something we um, uh, ought to think about being um, a sort of bespoke um, webinar on as, as well. I really want to appreciate... Uh, I really do appreciate everybody um, tuning in tonight as well. Spencer, some uh, final few words um, from yourself before we let Richard go. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it back again, Richard. I think some real key stuff for me you know, is, is the feedback uh, and getting the players you know, to give you feedback, which can be difficult for players sometimes, but because you're clearly creating an environment of psychological safety, they feel comfortable doing that. I think the importance of self-reflection, uh, like Ryan mentioned, the scaffolding of learning, spiralling learning yep. is critical as well. But you know, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed tonight. And, and next month, we continue with a Welsh theme, don't we, Ryan? We do. Um, uh, we've actually got Wales national team men's manager uh, Rob Page um, on the coach's corner uh, next month. So you'll all be getting an invitation um, uh, for, the, for that. Obviously, the women's team are doing absolutely fantastic, as are men's. Um, and to have a national uh, men's national team coach on is absolutely um, fabulous um, uh, for, for us. Richard, I really want to thank you. I know you've got Slovenia uh, away on uh, on Tuesday, is it, or Thursday? We've got them Friday and Estonia the following Tuesday. Okay, Friday. Friday. Well, we'll certainly be looking um, out for, for, for the result. And, and just thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, thanks for having me on. I've seen a few comments and thanks in the chat as well. Appreciate that. Really, really great to see. Thank you to everybody listening. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate and uh, good luck in the games, Richard. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank Thank you, everybody. Like I say, we'll be sending you the invite for the next Coach's Corner. Really appreciate everybody uh, tuning in uh, tonight and um, uh, everybody look after themselves. Thank you.